0: What's up, Muckalucks? Welcome to the show, my little ducklings. I am Brian McWilliams. This is Mean Age Daydream on the Lions Liberty Network, and I hope everybody is having a great week. I know I myself am having a tough one because it's entered into the driest possible season in California, uh, and I have exceptionally dry skin. I remember when I used to, to teach and play tennis, I would get cracks in my hands on the East Coast teaching tennis. Now, at least there's a reason for my hands to crack and bleed, right? Cause I'm out there in the cold and the wind. I'm teaching kids how to hit balls. Not here. No here. What am I doing? Nothing. <laughs> my fingers are bleeding. My skin is cracking. And of course, my beard's long enough to tickle my nose the entire time. But anyway, enough of my problems. Welcome to the show. We have many other problems to discuss here, guys. And don't worry, this episode is not going to be all complaining. It is going to be equal parts complaining, talking about some of the shocking revelations that have come out from Michael Schellenberger at Public and Racket, talking about the uh basically the counter you know, counter United States security threat, right? Every every intelligence agency that exists to create counter-intelligence operations, uh, social media ops around the world, turn them in, inside, looking inward, and even earlier than we thought because we thought this all began with the Election Integrity Partnership. Turns out it had started years before that, focused on broader narratives. And I'll talk about the development of this uh, through this counter. Let's see. I'll tell you real quick before I forget The CTIL, uh, which Schellenberg talks about stands for the Cyber Threat Intelligence League. It's like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, except none of them are gentlemen. Neither are they extraordinary. They're just evil. It's like the Legion of Doom. That's that's really what it is. It's like uh, it is like the uh, the octopus. In uh, what is the name called? Spectre in the Bond films. That's really what's going on here—an unaffiliated league, in, you know, vying for government funding and creating evil plots to overthrow our understanding of reality. Something that I talked about this past weekend, actually, at the uh, the collection over there, the California Libertarian uh, Executive Committee got together. So, I spoke at that event. But as I said, it's not going to be all negative. I'm going to talk about what I feel is the great hope for our society, for humanity. It just happens to be the Great British Breakoff. I don't know, I know it's a letdown, but I think it's really going to bring people together, especially this holiday season where you can finally stop talking about politics because there's one show out there that exists to give us. A little bit of a break. I uh, want to give a shout out here just for those watching on YouTube uh, to our sponsor for the show today. That is, of course, Crowd Health, longtime sponsor of the show. If you're on the podcast, you will get to hear much more about them later on. But for those of you on video, I do want to mention Crowd Health. You can get a fantastic deal by using code Lions at joincrowdhealth.com forward slash Lions, and you'll be able to get ninety nine dollars per month to kick off your relationship with them. Fantastic! Not healthcare, a voluntary society that operates on your behalf to pay all of your bills direct to the doctors and really help you avoid the nightmares and headaches that come with a typical insurance model, rejections of procedures and services, etc. Okay. Let's get into it. So first things first, I'm going to save this. Uh, well, I guess I forget. I started talking about CTIL. Let's talk a little bit more about this. So as I mentioned, Michael Schellenberger and his publication, public, it's called public and it's publication. A little on the nose there, Michael. He has this whole new trope of documents that was uh, released to them by a a whistleblower. And it talks about this anti-disinformation group called the Cyber Threat Intelligence League. Now, this article, I've read through it. It's exceptionally long. I encourage all of you to check it out. I actually do support Michael uh, Schellenberger's publications. I give to this publication because I want to support real journalism, which is what this is. But very long article. I'll, I'll, I'll try to sum it up briefly. Essentially they've traced this back to 2018, 2017, even under still, uh, the Obama white house. When this whistleblower, a former British intelligence analyst was in the room when she received the instructions to create a counter disinformation project to stop a quote repeat of 2016. Now, We've talked previously about the election integrity partnership I mentioned earlier in the show, which was this private public partnership created essentially to combat what they called misinformation, disinformation about the election coming from Russia. We all know that was nonsense, but it was then turned against the population in the guise of battling COVID narratives. This... CTI League, the cyber threat intelligence League this was the precursor to all of that they essentially laid the groundwork in there and it was utilizing government contractors like people in the CIA other other military operations working in uh, psychological operations abroad one of the people that it's heavily involved in this was involved in the Arab Spring of course trying to get people to rally and rise up against their own governments by use of social propaganda. These are the people that they brought in specifically to undermine the American understanding of the narratives, undermine the American's ability to perceive threats. Now, on a side tangent, as I mentioned you know, two minutes ago, I did talk about this uh, at the libertarian you know, convention, whatever you want to call it, a uh, the libertarian executive board meeting that happened in California, which I attended. So I'm now the communications director for the party. So I gave a presentation there, but I also gave a speech. And I talked about something I have spoken about here before, which is the government threat to your perception of reality and how this is one of the most important things that we have to take back from the government. One of the most important things that we have to fight for is the ability to understand what is truth, what is reality objectively. And the government clearly is operating against that in every way. We are being propagandized. We are being lied to. We are being, as this will show, we are having the... The understanding of even conversations that we think we're having with other people online, we're having those intercepted and turned away from what the truth is, from an actual conversation and from an actual uh, trend, let's say, and into something else that the government wants. Now, in this regard to the CTI League, they talked about how they would take over and essentially what they would do is work with social media companies directly, of course, which is something that government can't do legally directly. So they partner with the league. The league then goes and tries to partner with academia, with online uh, social media companies, as we saw partnering with the Stanford Internet Observatory. That is how the government, and they explicitly laid this out, by the way, They explicitly say in this reporting, we can't go direct to social media companies as a government. Uh, Actually, the United Kingdom people were saying this in regards to their role. They said, well, we have to do it differently because we do have the rules against that here. At least we pretend to. So as I pointed out, when Biden said, well, we're going to work with private companies and private institutions to combat white extremism, when he said that, he already knew what they were doing because it started in the Obama era, what they were crafting, in order to circumvent our free speech, circumvent any protections we might have about the government trying to influence directly. So this precursor, the League, they would work to, as they said in their own reporting here, work to get posts removed by pressuring social media companies working directly with those companies. They would go in and using these tricks and and. Tactics that they learned in other nations, they would come in, they would circumvent and try to uh, subvert hashtags. If something's trending online, they'll try to take it, turn it into something else through this concentrated effect of the people that they're paying, um, you know, sock accounts. They said they would generate a lot of sock accounts in order, sock puppet accounts, you want to call them, to, you know, spread their own version of this misinformation to try to confuse people. And you'll see this happening, by the way. You'll see if you're ever commenting on a popular topic. And you happen to hit a nerve, you will see a lot of responses from nonsense SOC accounts even now. And I guarantee you, those are government-based accounts. Either that or they're from a public-private partnership group that the government is funding in a roundabout way, partnered with in a roundabout way. Because they're talking about it distinctly in this document, in this reporting. So these sock accounts come in, they then respond with something completely off the wall. Either it's an accusation, either it's just a, a an off the wall tangent to confuse. It's a blatant misrepresentation of the facts, just saying, "Well, that's not sure. I read something else that this was about pa pa pa." These are designed to do this. They're designed to confuse the narrative and make you get burrowed down and and buried in this level of uh confusion and misdirection to the point where you just go, "I don't know what to believe." And then they win because whatever you whatever you actually do believe, they've now been able to circumvent that. Not only that, but they would also have a strategy in place, and you've seen this time and time again, especially during COVID, where they would attack people directly. Anybody that was of a prominent nature, anybody that got a lot of uh, traction online, they would go in and try to make them a persona non grata. They would attack them viciously with direct assaults, questioning their character. they try to dig up dirt on them. This is your government, by the way, working against you and your ability to voice your independent thoughts, right? It's hard to make it any more clear than that, that the government is trying to attack you. Government-funded agents working in partnerships with social media companies are targeting you based on your opinion. If it doesn't go with the mainstream narrative by that government in power at the time, they're going to attack you personally. However, they're going to do it through these SOC accounts. I I guess, ironically, Nikki Haley would be our savior there, right? Nikki Haley and her plan to force everybody to have a registered name. But of course we know what would happen there is that since it's government funded, since it's a government operation, somehow I feel like those social media accounts will get vetted despite the fact that there might be a law requiring them to, uh, to disclose who they really are. I feel like those sock accounts would still get made, but in this document lays out people like Jade Bhattacharya, others that spoke out, you know, like Dr. Uh, God, I I always forget this guy's name and I subscribe to his. I read his shit every day. (laughs) Robert Malone. (laughs) Guys like Robert Malone. This lays out how they would specifically try to attack them personally to have them person, to have them uh, embroiled in some sort of turmoil where they have to defend themselves against allegations of sex or allegations that they're working in malpractice or allegations of, of financial, whatever it might be. They had to take them out at a personal level and it's all written down here. Not only that, They did a uh, a whole spreadsheet, a whole roster of people using things like hashtag free California. So anybody, anybody insisting that California should be free. They had phrases like, for example, uh, all jobs matter. And I'm trying to think of some of the other ones uh, that they had in here. But again, this article is so long, I can't really find it off the top of my hand here. They had phrases that they would instantly try to attack if they started to rise up because these were problematic to government. Anything questioning vaccines, anything questioning the origins, anything uh, questioning why you should be staying home. These phrases were targeted for attack, for misdirection, and as I mentioned earlier, to completely undermine the the overall consensus and conversation to get people riled up and angry or to have them simply deplatformed. And they said that phrases like that they would work with social media companies in order to have them settle down, have them be, you know, as we say shadow banned as we are on YouTube. Another reminder, please subscribe to our podcast, hit notifications on YouTube, uh Rumble you can just watch. They don't that don't think they shout about us, but YouTube for sure. But they would take this and shove them down, down, down. And th- so, who's working with this company? As I mentioned before, these are people that are working with the FBI, uh, CISA. They're working with um, a you know whatever the European version of this would be, probably working with people in the UK, M6. Now, something else that's kind of interesting here is that they developed this uh, very specific framework called the adversarial misinformation and influence tactics and techniques. This was a document that was created through a group called MisInfosec, the MisInfosec Working Group, because it's called Misinformation Security, which falls under the recategorization of global threats to our security, something I touched on many episodes ago, but is important to talk about. Don't forget that when they talk about the threats to security and threats to infrastructure, we have now, the government has now, I can't say we, the government has now categorized the misinformation or disinformation, uh, AKA, and the, and the cognitive ability of Americans to believe the narratives the government saying as infrastructure. I'm not making this up. You can look it up yourself. It is called cognitive infrastructure. That concept, that bullshit phrase that was invented in order to allow our government to target us for psychological operations and censorship was created before they adopted it lately under this framework, this ad admit framework, Adversarial Misinformation Influence Tactics and Technique. So as such, here you go. The information environment, they talk about the physical dimensions, computers, keywords, informational uh, dimension, where information is collected, links, physical and cognitive dimensions, key characteristics, and cognitive dimension. Ah, there we go. The cognitive dimension, guys, your ability to understand, think, and link disparate concepts together in order to understand what's happening to you or what's being done to you. So under this cognitive dimension, In the emit social work, we've got where human decision takes place, dimension of intangibles such as morals, unit cohesion, public opinion, situational awareness, key characteristics, perceptions, emotions, awareness, and understanding. Perception, emotion, awareness, understanding. Think about all of the misinformation coming from the federal sector, coming from the Stanford Internet Observatory. Think about what posts are being removed, what's being amplified, what's being uh, shadow banned, Throttled. There we go. That's the phrase I'm looking for. Think about the animosity that was going on. Think about the posts that were taken down. Think about the counter posts that are being posted up. All of this draws from this original document. Now I won't go on too. You know, I've already talked 12, 15 minutes about this. I won't go on too too much further on this past saying your government is evil. Okay, flat out. When you have somebody. Well, somebody's when you have people that are invested in controlling everything you think, your perception of reality, your understanding of reality, and, you know, admin about coming in and making sure you don't see what the conversation really is. And if you do see it instantaneously, trying to get in there and subvert it or mislead you down a different path by using accusations, false information, confusing tactics, or, or, uh, I don't even know what else. Yeah. You name it, they got it. Blatant denials, I guess, you know, all these accounts coming and saying, "You're a liar, you know what you're talking about, all these sock accounts. Your government has no interest in you understanding your reality. They have no interest in you keeping your sanity. That's something I'm bringing to what we do here. taking sanity back. Because we have lost our minds intentionally by virtue of the government interfering in how we interact culturally, societally, online, how we interact with our neighbors. This is by design. I talked about this before this even came out. I predicted this saying the divisive things that happen. There's a reason the government gets involved in this. There's a reason the news media is covering certain topics more than others. It's to divide families. It is to attack community. It is to break neighborhoods. It is to kill schools and play groups that involve and make you talk about stuff that's going to drive you crazy. So you can't agree. We have it laid out here. That's exactly what they have been doing. And we have it in black and white from their own documents. We have to take back our sanity. We have to take back our reality. We have to take back our emotional control, all things that are being attacked by the government by virtue of these programs. Okay. Let's move on to something else, something that's that's just as divisive as everything else, intentionally. And of course, very profitable. And that is green energy. Now the COP, uh, I don't know, the collection, the, the cock operators of, uh, the Pacific. No, it's, it's, it's the climate and something conference COP that they have in Europe. That's just wrapping up. Actually, I think maybe it's still going for a couple of days. Of course. Who's speaking about climate now? Oh, Hillary Clinton. Yes, Hillary Clinton, that great advocate for climate justice. Of course, the Clinton Global Initiative, a very useful slush fund for anybody who wants to really help people in the world take care of green energy initiatives that just coincidentally happened to collapse and lose 80 or 90 percent of its uh, inbound donations when Hillary Clinton did not win the presidency and left the, uh, the sphere of influence within the state. But let me show you a little clip here. And this ties into something that I give my, a lot of pat on the back today, guys. I give myself credit for predicting even earlier than this, but here, let me share this real quick. This is Hillary Clinton talking about this new green death toll that we're witnessing. And then I'll talk to you about how this goes even further than what she's saying. And I'm going to tell you exactly what they're going to do to this. Okay. Here's old Hill dog. We're seeing, uh, and beginning, to pay attention and to count and record uh, the deaths that are related to climate. And by far the biggest killer is extreme heat. I mean, even in Europe last summer, which uh, has the ability to count and figure out what happened, they recorded 61,000 deaths because of the heat in Europe. We don't have that kind of number yet from Africa, Asia, Latin America, but we know and estimate that we probably uh, could uh, measure about 500,000 deaths. And the majority of those are women and girls and particularly pregnant women. uh, Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that all of these, all these pregnant women, these young pregnant women are just keeling over from it being a little bit too hot. So right there, I'm going to call bullshit. How many pregnant women do you know that are elderly, that are are somehow so feeble that having it be a little bit hot is going to kill them? And if that were true, by the way, we would have heard about it. I guarantee the mainstream media would have gleefully jumped on that soul specter and these, these poor women that are dying of heat stroke in, in masses, according to Hillary Clinton, right? apparently Women and children, women and young children are keeling over and dying from the heat. Now, I've not heard boo about this in mainstream media. If it were true, we would have heard something. Trust me, these people live and die to report crap like this. But the broader concept here is that you heard her throw out the phrase, oh, 500,000 people are going to die from climate, right? Bullshit. Bullshit. We're at a point in our society worldwide where we're at the lowest level of climate related deaths. And yes, that includes heat related. That includes cold related. Now, the reason that heat related deaths are typically more deadly now than cold related is because we have fire, we have insulation, we have heaters, gas powered heaters, coal powered heaters, by the way, which of course they want to eliminate because these psychopaths want people to die and they want to punish the people that don't have it as nice as some of us in the first world countries. But Rarely do people really die of extreme cold or extreme heat any longer. It's just not really a thing. If you've got electricity, which the war on electricity, by the way, is coming, especially in third world nations, as I'm pointing out many times before, animals like Hillary Clinton and John Kerry and Bill Gates and whoever else is out there stumping the World Economic Forum to eliminate fossil fuels, they are waging a genocidal war against the poor. That's what it is. Not only is it a genocidal war, because if you cut off coal, fossil fuels, you are basically killing the hot and the cold, right? The things that they're telling us are going to kill so many people, you're stopping their ability to survive that. But not only that, of course, this all is a grand scheme of monetary relocation, right? Because if you're condemning these people and saying you can't use these, what's the solution? Well, it's going to be to send money overseas. It already is. I mean, the World Economic Bank, the International Monetary Fund are already... Uh, essentially just wealth redistribution networks. Um, We pay off shitty nations doing socialist activities to keep keep being shitty and keep being socialist by virtue of these IMFs and World Bank programs. But in a broader sense, the the boast that Hillary Clinton is making that 500,000 lives are going to be lost, well, that's the tip of the iceberg, gang, because what's really going to happen here is that they are going to start fudging the numbers similar to what happened with COVID. Under COVID, you'll recall that people that died of gunshot wounds and car accidents and stabs to the neck, if they died with COVID, well, then they died from COVID. And many times they caught COVID going into the hospital because the hospitals were rife with COVID. Yet they were labeled as COVID deaths. Why were they labeled COVID deaths? Oh, that's right, because the hospitals got paid something like 5,000 per COVID death. So all of the monetary incentive was to pay them out. Naturally, you have a broken healthcare system in addition to a broken pharmacological system wherein everybody's incentivized to take the vaccines now because the numbers are trumped up as far as the death tolls, as far as the infection tolls. We now know that both of those were catastrophically wrong. But I think about the projections like Hillary Clinton's talking about. I think about how we were told, right? Uh, Neal Ferguson, right? That asshole over in the UK, over at the uh, National Institute of Health, or it might have been somewhere else where he was projecting from. I oh, know it was somewhere else. I think it was like a college. Blanket on where he's he's uh, in residence, but. He followed his track history of predicting that something like, you know, millions and millions, 20 million people will be dead from COVID. And of course, the world leaders freaked out. Oh, my God, we must do something. Now, this, of course, turned out to be absolutely wrong, abysmally wrong. Gavin Newsom, I think, projected something like, you know, California would have 3.5 million cases of COVID by October. And of course, what ended up happening was like 25,000 cases, you know. Now, those numbers are not exactly correct. I'm just kind of slushing through it here. But... Point being, Hillary Clinton's using nonsense numbers, and similar to COVID, where you had the deaths attributed to COVID that came from gunshot wounds. When it comes to this climate nonsense, you're already seeing some of it happen with climate-related violence. Right? They'll say that violence in the Middle East or Africa or whatever is related to climate. There's no way for them to prove this. There's no possible way for them to fucking prove that. It's it's just nonsense but they will start claiming those debts. You're seeing it here. You're seeing Hillary Clinton lay out the framework for how they are going to lie to you, how they're going to misrepresent what this quote-unquote climate change is doing to the world, which is, for all intents and purposes, not much. Not much. Look around. There's an argument you made that the improving the level of uh, carbon in the world, that a slight warming is actually very good for us. And by the way, at the same time, the... Solar cycles, if you believe in the solar cycle impacting the world temperature, which I personally think probably has some impact, we're also going into one of the lowest, A uh, what do they call it, a, a maunder minimum, I think. We're going into a minimal cycle as far as how the sun is going to be interacting, how it's going to, you know, the solar flares are going to be going out there. So we might be in for a, quite a cold spell. If that's the case, maybe a little bit carbon would help us out. They will actually get through and avoid people dying from cold deaths, which of course with clown is climate test, according to Keller. But when you see her talking about taking the claim for these deaths, trust me, you you're going to start seeing a lot more reporting about people that are violently dying, and they're going to say that is because of climate change. You're going to see the efforts of people that are that might be uh, impacted by um lack of farming because they're having a war on nitrogen-based fertilizers. This is what's happening over in places like Denmark and I think uh, maybe Norway, where the farmers are protesting because, oh, in Sri Lanka. Don't forget Sri Lanka's government got overthrown, by the way, because they had waged war on nitrogen-based fertilizers. And those fertilizers were so essential for the farming that the entire infrastructure, the entire food base of that country collapsed. They will tell you, guaranteed, that anybody that starved during that time, climate death. Why? Because the food had to be altered because of the nitrogen, and that still is climate change related, so climate death. It's kind of like the World Health Organization and this pandemic treaty. And I told you about that, this previously too, how they're now redefining anything under this pandemic treaty, right? Anything that's a threat to human health. They consider climate change a threat to human health. That means that they can lock down, they can curtail your ability to go to work, to open a business, to travel based on climate. Now they've got another way to say, well, climate's going to come get you. It's because they can make up these numbers, they can attribute whatever to climate change. That's the fact. So keep your eyes up, guys. Don't believe the hype. Keep your eyes peeled because it's going to get wacky out there. And when pressed on how they defend, these violences based on climate change, they will give you zero answer. Zero answer, I guarantee it. They're not going to have you able to back it up. They're not going to give you any, any real way they're coming to these numbers. They're not going to give you real data collection because they know it's a fraud. They know it's a fraud. And it's all collapsing around their ears and they know this is why they're going to ramp up the propaganda because the first thing you do when you know things are collapsing is you wage war on the public. Same thing happened during COVID, guys. Remember the censorship ratcheted up to such a high degree right before the house of cards fell in on itself. Same thing's going to happen with climate change. All right. Let's move on to, uh, okay. Something, something a little bit more, uh, happy go lucky here. I can't close my window. Okay. Happy-go-lucky here, which is... uh, And then I'll I'll wrap up with a little bit of thoughts on Gavin Newsom and, and Ron DeSantis, by the way. So I am a fan of the Great British Bake Off. I know, me, Brian McWilliams. But it's true because... I'll tell you what, my wife got me into it. Now, number one, I've talked a bit, I think, on the show. I, I have a background in cooking. I was uh, a cook in kitchens for a long time, you know, so I've got my, my working-class bona fides in my hot hand, as they used to call it in the kitchen. That was the hand you'd pick up all your hot shit and you'd steam it up and, and get it all. Oh, I'm muted. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's *Clipped*, Now streaming only on Hulu. Wait a minute, are you saying I'm muted right now? That's not good. Well, hopefully that sounds coming through because, uh, if not, I don't know what's going on anyway, hopefully I don't have to rerecord this. It seems like it's going through here. Anywho. So, oh, good. I, this is why I shouldn't respond to comments. It's just, I'm going to call him out now. Aristocock King Yeti has stupid earbuds and I'm reading his fucking comment and responding to it. Fuck you. King Yeti. <laughs> All right, so my time didn't cut out. Anyway, so I got my bona fides out. I was a cook for a long time. Um, I, you know, something like like five years. I was cooking every summer through college before I went to college, and also during college because I got suspended for rioting at Penn State. Yes, that happens. I shook a lamp post. I stopped myself. And here's how. there's where. I, here's where I came for a basic distrust of police officers. By the way. I stopped myself shaking this lamppost just during this stupid basketball ride over the summer. And I was like, this is fucking terrible. This is going to fall down. It's going to hit somebody. It's going to crunch somebody. So I let go. I walk away. And a cop grabs me. And I'm like, oh, fuck me. I'm like, what, man? He's like, all right, you got to come with me. I was like, ah. So I just walk with this cop. And I'm just drunk. I'm like, whatever, man. Let go of me. I'm I'm not going to run away. I'll just walk with you. So I walk with I'm like the best possible criminal you can catch, right? I'm just like, whatever. So I go. I'm like, what's going to happen? I'm just shook a lamppost and I let go. He, I gave it a misdemeanor. That's it, misdemeanor. But because Penn State wanted to make a public, uh, you know, basically burn the witches at the stake of anybody that dared to take part in a riot, they called me in. they had a tribunal, sat me down and said, okay, what happened? I said, well, here's what happened. I went out and shook this thing and I stopped. And the cop Lies directly to this tribunal and says, no, I pulled him off. He wasn't stopping. I pulled him off. And I said, fuck you. I remember yelling at the guy. I was like, fuck you, you lying fucking piece of fucking shit. I went off on the guy in front of them. Probably didn't help my case. But at that point, it's kind of like, you know, all this bullshit where they had on college campuses with this rule nine garbage and basically eliminating anybody's ability to defend themselves against sexual allegations of misconduct, where you sit down in front of a tribunal. If you're accused of. Sexual assault or rape or anything? Well, good luck because they ain't going to believe you. Well, that's out to me. Thank God it wasn't rape. It was just shaking a lamppost. Good name for masturbating, shaking a lamppost. So this fucker lied. I got suspended for a semester and uh, and worked at Hooters during that time. Good times working at Hooters. So anyway, kept getting back to my main point, I, uh, I I have an interest in cooking and baking. I still take a lot of pride in being able to cook cook good food. So, focus camera. So the great British bake-off is a show my wife watched. It gained some popularity. I was like, okay, whatever. But I tell you, I got into this show like you wouldn't believe. Several reasons. Number one, it is fascinating to see something. You know, you do feel you're learning a little bit of the trade. You're seeing some techniques. And especially now where everything's so expensive, going out to eat, buying a pie. Good luck. Going to the grocery store is exceptionally expensive. Even though we're being told, remember, that Bidenomics is working. Biden says Bidenomics so many times in his Twitter feed, it sounds like he's got Tourette's in addition to dementia, but we're being told Bidenomics is working. We're being told, and I I remember I tweeted this out, yelling about it, uh, that inflation's at 0%, But really what it's at, according to all the the major indexes, is 3.2%. But remember, inflation's not 3.2%. Inflation right now, this year, is 3.2% on top of the 18% inflation that we had throughout the pandemic. So I love this. We're doing it. We're, binomics. We're getting back to regular. Pro- no, fuck no, we're not. No, we're not. They're still twenty percent higher than they were in twenty twenty. But I digress. You watch the show. You're learning a lot about the cooking. But here's the beauty of it: there's no politics in this show. None. The people on the show, unlike so many of the programs that you see, the reality shows that are on here that are at each other's throats. It's a competition. This is a cooking competition, right? They're trying to win, I think, like 100,000 pounds or something like that for winning. Or maybe they get jack shit. I don't even know. I don't really care. Neither do they. They're just excited to be there. The hosts are nice and funny and gracious. The comic presenters, like there's two main hosts, Paul and Prue. And then there's this comedian Noel, who's been on a, a stunt, ton of British stuff. Uh, he's best uh, son of British uh, TV. He's best known for The Mighty Boosh. If anybody's ever seen that, he's on it. And now they have some other, like like black comedian or TV host uh, lady that's on it. But even then, it's very lighthearted it's all complimentary little jokes. The people are happy and smiling and they're getting along and they're rooting for each other and there's no politics and there's no fucking bullshitting or wheezing or or statements. Nobody's making a pie that's a trans chick with a cock out there and little chocolate sprinkles for her pubic hair or or anybody's making a pie that has a baby in it to go pro-abortion. None of that shit. You just watch and you check out and you leave your brain at the door. It's actual entertainment for the sake of entertainment, because that's what we don't have. I mentioned earlier in the show, getting your sanity back. Name a program you could watch nowadays where you can simply watch it and enjoy it and not have to to percolate within your brain at, at, at high levels bubbling up to try to figure out what you're supposed to believe, what you're being propagandized to think because the writers of this show are left-wing fuck nuts or it's on a network like Paramount+, Plus, which apparently just cut an interview off because Kelsey Grammer said that he liked Donald Trump. Just being able to watch a show alone with your thoughts or being happy watching people enjoy what they're doing and get along and not wallow in the slop that we're being forced to be mired in nonstop because of the politicized environment we're in. It is like therapy. I'm telling you guys, even if you're not into baking, even if you hate the British, give this show a watch. It's a great holiday watching show too, because it's a lot of the, a lot of recipes for the holiday centric cookies, cakes, breads, pies, tis the season. My peoples check it out. Trust me. Let me know what you think. You know, tweet at me at Brian McWilliams. Okay. Last thing, I will uh, talk real briefly because this, this is a little bit old news now, but I want to talk about a couple of things. Gavin Newsom, Ron DeSantis faced off. Now, it got like five million views. Sean Hannity hosted. Sean Hannity is a bit of a doofus, but it had some interesting back and forth. Some of the major things, I will say flat out, Gavin Newsom, I feel, got his ass stomped. And I did not think that was going to happen going in. I thought going in that Newsom was going to be uh, fairly easy to just lie his way past DeSantis. I thought he was going to be too slick. DeSantis has not looked great in debate formats. He has not looked great in social settings for that matter. He looks very uncomfortable. Um, I did not watch it live, by the way. I read the transcripts of this. So I didn't get to see if he wore his high heeled boots or not. I presume he did. But from the get go, DeSantis attacked Newsom. And really, every time Gavin Newsom responded, the stats he were saying. Which just it just sounded stupid and absurd, and you could tell where he wouldn't answer the questions, and DeSantis would call him out on that. As did as did Sean Hannity. Questions like, "Why are so many people fleeing California?" And then Newsom would go off on a tangent about California, and and you know, accuse Ron DeSantis of hating gays. And he goes, "That's not the question. The question is why are so many people fleeing? What you know, they flee for lower taxes. They flee for better schooling." Newsom tries to make up some stat that said that shows that somehow he goes. He kept saying this. California charges its its lower class less than we charge billionaires and whatever. So somebody, like, yeah, you know, like just what? Okay, Florida has no income tax. Florida's tax rate not only is far lower, Florida's corporate tax is lower. Like, what are you talking about, news? Like, clear lies. He would talk about the education system, right? And he's saying, Well, well, California has a better educational outcomes. No, Sean Hannity fact checked him on that. Somebody you never really see is, is fact checking Gavin Newsom. Florida had you know, like the number one, uh, I think, ranked educational outcomes. California was 20th. They talked about things like uh, the COVID response. Gavin Newsom throws out a nonsense stat. And now I talked last show about how fascinating it was that the LA Times put out their own reviews of a Lancet study and another study showing that when comorbidities are taken into account, things like uh, you know diabetes, massive obesity, or anything else that can be considered uh, a comorbidity that made it, High level COVID death, right? Because we know it's 0002 percent of the population, or something. But still, d- people did die if they were exceptionally old, had diabetes, had whatever. My camera keeps going in and out of focus, and it's driving me fucking nuts. Because it's, it's, it's a little bit dark in you know, here. I put up my light, but it's I got to turn on another light for next episode. So when that was all taken into account, it was either dead even when you didn't take in the comorbidities and just adjusted for pure age. When you did, California had a 34% worse response rate, 34% worse death rate. So Gavin Newsom throws out some nonsense stat that, t- that California was 29% better, which it was immediately corrected, immediately corrected by Newsom. I mean, he really took it to him as far as exposing Newsom for the liar he is. He showcased uh, the poop map in San Francisco talking about the health, the public health crisis, they went back and forth against, and again, this shows you Gavin Newsom is such a, a disgusting, oily snake, which is why I think finally we might be rid of him. 51% of people in California, which is a first, now disapprove of Newsom. But Newsom's trying to argue that California is safer, that they have lower crime rates using, again, nonsense statistics where then, and, and to his credit, DeSantis comes right back and says, no, when you look at it, California has got, you know, 500 violent crimes per 100,000 people. Here's the data. You're a liar. They call each other liars about 80 times, but but DeSantis' data is easily found and easily provable. And anybody who lives in California knows our, what our crime rate's at. He talked about the massive exodus of businesses. He talked about the legalization of retail theft, which is true and is happening here. He talked about, uh, let's see, what was the other things? Oh, he also hit him on said the poop map talking about public health and how Gavin Newsom, there's literally a map that exists and it's brilliant move to bring it up into San Francisco, showing where human feces is, that you map it and you put it on there that people have to use to get the poop cleaned up. Do I think it's going to make any difference in the Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis back and forth? No. Trump's got this thing in a runaway. It's not going to be close. He is going to be the candidate. There's just no, no way around it. Unless somehow the Democrats can find a way uh, and, you know, there's this bullshit happening where they're going after him now. We talked about it on, on uh, Meme Wars on Friday, but there is this bullshit now where they're trying to go after him with civil suits, right? Because New York, of course, has made it so that you can, you know, special special privileges for people that want to go after Donald Trump. Now they're saying that anybody from January 2nd, oh, sorry, it's supposed to be in DC, anybody from January 6th that is uh, adversely affected, they can now sue Donald Trump for civil damages. So you can see this as a tactic. I mean, it's insane to try to argue that Donald Trump should be responsible for the actions of people he's nowhere around, that he told to to not go in violently. Uh, and we saw the, the videotapes of these events as well. But apparently now you can sue Donald Trump over that. So that's the latest tactic they're using. They're trying to, to go after him in civil suits, embroil him in that, try to bankrupt him. Regardless, DeSantis is not going to make up a lot of ground, not enough ground on Donald Trump. So it doesn't matter. But at least it showcased Gavin Newsom's weakness. And I had said this previously how Gavin Newsom, if this ever got out into a, a federal debate, if the, a nationalized debate, how his records with COVID, with homelessness, with the economy, with taxes, with violence, all of these things would make it so easy to put him in the ground. And full credit to Ron DeSantis, he did it. He did it so much, by the way, that. It has been reported in numerous sources, by the way, that at the end of the debate, they were supposed to do Sean Hannity goes, Hey, are you guys up to do another segment? You know, we'll keep it going for another 10 minutes after this next commercial break. They both go. Yeah. Yeah. They come back. Nobody's on stage. They're gone. Report came out. Newsom's wife pulled him off stage to end the debate. He was cuckolded, you could say, in front of a audience, uh, because, His wife didn't want him on the air anymore. That goes to show you how badly he was getting his ass kicked, at least by my interpretation. Because sources told NBC News that Jennifer Seibel Newsome went on stage during the break and said, we're done, and pulled her husband off. That's not a good look. That is not a good look. I'll tell you that much. And according to uh, this report, too, Newsom apparently before that had said he'd be happy to do in an extended hour, but Newsom, Seibel Newsom came into the debate room at least twice to rage objections, including over to Sanders talking about her father left California for Florida. Oh yeah, that's right. Also, DeSantis pointed out that Gavin, that, uh, I'm sorry, Jennifer Sibel Newsom's parents had left for California or California for Florida, which is true, <laughs> which is true. So she objected to that. Why, how are you going to object about it? They, they moved to Florida, lady. What do you want me to say here? (laughs) So a, uh, an embarrassing night for Newsom. I hope it's a nail in a coffin for his political aspirations. Uh, It would be wonderful to be saved from him. I do wonder almost kind of in the vein of the, the Republican house has said that they are going to formally move to impeach Biden next week, which means that they can now have subpoena power, which is interesting because obviously we want to see what happens with that. But At the same time, I almost wonder if it's a a saving grace for Democrats because Biden running ain't going to go well. He's already losing to Trump in uh, most of the polls I've seen recently. Uh, His Bidenomics Tourette's is not working in any way, shape or form. The economy is in the shit. Uh, We're still embroiled with Israel. Very um, very unpopular, I think, for the most part now. Our our support of Israel, the amount of money we're spending, people are really looking at that closely. Ukraine funding obviously very unpopular. And, uh, I think that Biden being impeached and maybe the Democrats then to say, look, that's it. You had to There's too much info. There's too much information coming out. This looks really bad. You got to go. Maybe that is ushers in somebody else. I don't know if that's Kamala. I don't know if that's somebody else. Um, but it might be the best thing for us. If, if it's not Biden, I mean, you look how Newsom did, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it assures his destruction. Anyway, that's going to do it, guys. Thank you for listening. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast, please. If you have a few minutes, you're going to be on holiday break soon. Go give us a nice review on Spotify, on uh, Apple's iTunes. really helps. Make sure to... Hit that notification button if you're watching on YouTube or uh, follow us on Rumble. Of course, you can follow us online at Lions of Liberty, at Brian McWilliams, or at John Odermat. And uh, stay tuned. Some exciting things going to be happening in the new year, guys. I can't talk about them just yet. We're uh, we're, we're waiting to roll them out. But check in with your uh, libertarian messaging, LP.org. Going to be some interesting things coming out that uh, I just ran through with the board over this past weekend really excited about. I think a lot of people are going to get very excited about it. Both those of you who are on board with libertarianism, those people that are checked out and looking for something new to believe in that are sick of both parties, we're giving them something to believe in and uh, it's going to be really fun. So that's it for Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty from Mean Age Daydream. Keep those electric eyes on me, babe, and keep that ray gun to my head.